Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 586 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? I'm doing good, Todd. Uh, ready to talk about a ton of comic book stuff this week. You know, it's yeah. the end of the year. There's not supposed to be this busy, you know? I know. It was crazy. I honestly thought there'd be nothing. And then, bam, Joe. There was everything. Second encore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, are you ready for Christmas this year, Joe? Uh, I have a few packages straggling from uh, the Amazon, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those deals where, like, you'd order something, and it's like, oh, combine them so they ship together. Okay, so I'll do that, right? And, like, <laughs> it changes from arriving on, like, a Tuesday to a Wednesday. I'm like, whatever, you know, as long as we get them by Saturday, they're okay, right? Or Friday, mm-hmm. or whatever it is, right? Yep. And then, like, a day later, like, nah, you know, we're going to have to uh, uh, ship those separately, and the one will come on this day, and then one, the other one will come, like, three days later. Right. Uh, my kid's advent calendar that I got from in September hasn't arrived yet. Well, any day now. And I did get the notification that it is going to be shipping hopefully sometime in January. Uh, so that one's kind of a wash, but, uh, you know, that's okay. He understands. And then there's like one last thing that I have to go physically pick up, but that was just more of a... I don't have a lot of free time to go alone and do stuff. And like the next two days I do. Okay. Well, that's good. Me what, and have, well, three days, but one of them I burned seeing Spider-Man for the show. So yeah, right. I only have one more gift to get and I'm good, but that's a gift certificate for my father to go eat somewhere. So just got to pick the place. That's all it comes down to. Long John Silver's. No, no, that's a special different day, but, uh, would you like to know what we have on the show for this holiday season, Joe? I would love to know what we're going to discuss on this short show today as I take it away from <laughs> you so you can't jinx me. That's right. Um, free comic book day reveals. Um, Marvel is stealing DC's gimmicks when it comes to trades. A former Spider-Man writer is going to write a character with a way better rogues gallery, Joe. Wait a minute. But not as good as a rogues gallery that just got a black label book, Joe. And also a comic company changes hands. Uh, no cons because of the holidays. Uh, right. Digital sales. What we read last week, which was Hulk 2. Um, what we're looking forward to this week. The penultimate installment of Todd and Joe Have Issues. God, those words filled my heart with glee. Todd's Art Attack. The Longbox Heroes Secret Santa Exchange. And finally, spoiler-filled talk about the latest episode of Hawkeye and Spider-Man No Way Home. I'm excited to talk about all of these things. And more. And more, because more things always come up during the course of these things that we talk about on the show. Right. So it fills my heart um, with glee... And happiness to see uh, free comic book day back on the actual day that it should be. Right. And for there to be a full slate of books to be coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, and to see everyone back on board with it. Whether it be, uh, you know, Marvel having like three different offerings. You know, DC not taking part of it. Um, 
But when I see these announcements come out, uh, this is how I know the world is healing. That's right. That's right. Free comic books back on the shelf. Yes. Now, the only thing that hasn't been revealed yet is the free, like, there's two shirts that they put out for free comic book day. Uh, One is just, like, the logo, like, just, like, bland, blank, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is a nice, softy tee with a fun artist doing, like, either a comic-esque print uh, you know, celebrating comic books or for a Halloween comic fest, like a horror themed one. And like I said, it's an, on a nice softy shirt. Uh, you could get one, you know, through your local retailer. If you ask for like seven bucks and it's a nice t-shirt. So that's always my favorite thing. And that hasn't been revealed yet only because like, first of all, um, can I mention that Diamond's website is still in a state of disarray? No. Yes, you no, can. No, I can't state it because I'm gonna. Right. Um, so the uh the order form for December, uh, which the cutoff date was last week, never got put up on the website. Uh, which is good, which is helpful for making your order. Um no, and actually, you know what? My I, I stand corrected. It was not up on the website Friday. It is up today. Now, That's granted, right. it did go up on Friday, which was the seventeenth, and the or, or no, it wasn't up on Friday the seventeenth. Order cutoff was the eighteenth, so in between the seventeenth and today, the order form did go up. So I do want to take that back. I look foolish by saying this, right? Right. That's why I said no originally. I swear. Oh, okay. Yeah, because like I said, Friday it wasn't up. <laughs> um, they still only do one week at a time with the releases. I usually like to have that two week buffer, and uh, and I'll say this: Friday, the scroll across the bottom of the website said new releases for November tenth, as opposed to new releases for December twenty second. Typos, Joe. Typos. No, it's literally between Friday and today they did fix those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am hot about them getting the order form up the day, if not the day before the orders were due, which I'm sure there's a lot of people that do their orders that way. Pa Flimshaw, we don't even have the January stuff. Like the March solicitations are barely even out yet. Right. But uh, when it comes to those uh free comic book day t-shirts i say just give your retail your credit card number and you're good to go that's right uh could i could give my credit card number to worse people out there yep uh so also uh in the news in addition to that uh todd mentioned that dan slot is going to be writing a doctor who comic book yes at first i thought it was going to be like an episode of the TV show. I did too when the news came across. Uh, but it's going to be a one shot that comes out this upcoming April. Um, it's the seventh doctor. Right. I believe so. I think he's doing multiple issues. The 10th doctor. I'm not Ten- sure. 10th doctor was the one that I read. Okay. I wasn't sure. And again, who knows the doctors more than you? You, you know more doctors than mm-hmm. I do. So, uh, is this something you're going to get? I know it's not something I'll be getting. I like Dan Slott, but... 
Well, here's the thing. I, I was religiously getting all the Doctor Who books when Titan, well, forget, IDW had them originally. And then I, I was getting them, and I forget whether it was when they sh- sh- switched over to Titan, where it was like, okay, we're going to have whatever Doctor was going on at the time, which obviously made sense. You're going to promote that one. And it was like, okay, well, we're going to do uh, 10 also, which was David Tennant. I was like, okay. And then they're like, and we're going to do miniseries with these doctors. And then we're going to do like, here's like a master miniseries. And I was like, all right, I'm buying more Doctor Who books than I'm buying Batman books. So like, that's a problem. So I kind of tapped out where I didn't get them. If I'm not getting them all, I don't want any of them. And even though I love Doctor Who, uh, TV uh, properties, comics are never really that good. There was a couple of good ones over the years. Uh, a lot of them were just not really that great. So I'm. Pr- this is one that might bring me back uh, because I know he did, Dan Slott wrote Silver Surfer for a while, and everybody told me that that was just a Doctor Who uh, story with the serial numbers filed off because it was, you know, the Silver Surfer was the doctor and then the woman that he had along with him was kind of like the companion and all that stuff. But I never really read them. So I don't know. I'll maybe give this first one a chance to see how I like it. So you'll, you could be the canary in the coal mine on this one. Yeah. Maybe I'll pick it for what I'm looking forward to most and then be like, Oh, Joe, you have to read it too. Yay. Uh-huh. We'll have a conversation off air about that. <laughs> right. Cause there's no swears on this show. Uh, so one thing that I'm sure that we both will be getting is as the solicitations are coming out for March and drips and drabs, um, a rare black label book from DC that's not about Batman or Joker, but starring the number one rogues gallery in all of comic books, the Flash's rogues written by Joshua Williamson with art by someone by the name of Leo Max. And, uh, you know, Williamson says that it's closer to more of his creator-owned work. It's going to be a crime book with super science and dark humor and all sorts of stuff like that. You had me at a Rogue solo book. That's right. That's right. Rogue One. The Rogues, Joe. Um, and, like, I also say, like, there is the uh, the, the football college that they're, like, they're the uh, Ohio State. They call themselves, they're, like, whenever they mention it, it's, like, the Ohio State. So, like, from now on, I'm just going to be calling the Rogues the Rogues. Um, as soon as I saw that, I was, like, boom. Joshua Williamson is writing it. He wrote that 100 Issues of Flash that I really dug. And whenever the the uh, the classic Rogue showed up, I, I popped for them. He had them all down. Um, this apparently kind of takes place in the future where they're like, oh, like we've kind of messed up our whole lives. There's one last big score. And I'm like, I love whenever it's one last big score because I know it's going to go perfectly. Joe. <laughs> so I'm buying this. No, you know, sight unseen. Put it on my list. And uh, I don't know, you know, uh, Todd and I tout the Flash having the best rogues gallery in all of comic books. And we're not wrong. Uh, by the end of 2022, we'll determine who has the second best rogues gallery in all of comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we can't we're we're, we're, we're the uh, tastemakers for when it comes to these sort of things. Right. Definitely. Uh, now, in late breaking news, uh, since things were kind of early with us, but late nonetheless, this is something that had been whispered about for the last couple of weeks uh, that Dark Horse was up for sale. 
uh, Dark Horse Comics specifically. And there was a lot of rumor and innuendo of who was going to be buying them, of course. There was even speculation that Disney was going to buy them and fold it into Marvel itself, which I think would have been horrible. I also agree that that would have been horrible. But they were instead purchased by something called Embracer Group, uh, which is an entertainment company that owns a bunch of video game subsidiaries. And they're looking to turn the intellectual properties under the Dark Horse line into video games. Mm -hmm. Sin City, here we come. Right. And it feels as though they're going to keep the publishing end going as is. And one can only hope that if they're going to turn a bunch of these properties into video games and or other properties, then that means some of the folks that created some of those things might get like an extra paycheck every quarter. Which I would be fine with. And I think like, you know, the publishing thing is pretty much going to stay the same because I follow Paul Chadwick on Twitter and he's the guy who wrote and drew concrete and he's been hinting that he has another concrete you know, project coming after like however long it is since the last one. And he's like, oh, well, you know what? He was like, I'm not afraid because even though the business has changed hands, he's like, whatever name he dropped. And it was only the first name is like, so-and-so still running the publishing department. So I can work with that. You know what I mean? And I'm like, okay, well, that's good. As long as, you know, they didn't clean house. And they're like, you know what? We're going to revamp and we're going to, you know, we're going to teach other comic companies how to do comics. It's like, no, you could do that with other stuff. But the guys that have been there as long as they haven't made Dark Horse what it is, like work with them, you know, don't just be like, we're going to change everything. So I'm hoping like that, you know, for like the old creators, things will be, you know, even keel for them, but with a bigger paycheck. For sure. Fingers crossed. And then somewhat last but not least, uh, this week uh, we saw not one but two uh, printing mishaps uh, over at Marvel, taking a page out of the DC playbook. Out of order, those pages of the playbook. Well, so if you looked, one, not so big of a deal, um, on the new print of the Deadpool Epic Collection, which... Uh, collects like the two miniseries is is mm-hmm. and some of like the new warriors stuff of Deadpool uh, they printed it without the Deadpool logo on the cover that's well that's even better and they Marvel just pretty much said they're like uh, yeah we're not going to do a reprint we're not going to do a fix on this this is just the way it is now deal with it mm-hmm. that one's not as bad like you say that one's not as bad on the other hand mm, okay. the the last trade of Immortal Hulk, which wraps everything up. If you remember from reading it, uh, there was a big giant eight page gatefold spread. Mm-hmm. And instead of putting it in between ish- pages 176 and 177, they put it between pages 160 and 61. So it now reads out of order. Ah, just, you know, just put a sticker, jump to page so and so, and then come back. Right. Um, so they did say, um, that if you bring it back to your retailer, um, there's a whole big long process that you have to, that your retailer has to do if you bring it back to them through your customer service team with Immortal Hulk claim in the subject line. Um, now granted, if you purchase this elsewhere, good luck. 
But if you got this from your local store, at least there is a way to get a corrected copy. Right. I just find it amusing. It's, you know, at least, like you said, there's that is something to be said for, like you said, going through a retailer or a comic shop. Maybe that'll be like, oh, if they, you know, screw up, you know, I bought it, would make people go through their retailers more than a big box store or whatever to get those books. But, and, but at least it's way better than DC of like, you know what? You just bought this deal with it. It's yeah. busted. It's done. Like go figure out how to read the pages out of order. Yeah. Now there is one other thing that I want to mention in regards to uh, Marvel and some recent changes that they made. Um, if you've purchased Marvel comics for any period of time, uh, I don't know, maybe the last like seven or eight years, Mm -hmm. Uh, there's been a digital redeem code in your book. And for the longest time, Marvel claimed that this is why their books were $3.99, because you're getting that extra value of the digital redeem code of the book. Mm-hmm. Now, I will freely admit there was a period of time there were books that I was getting, and I would give the codes to friends so they could try out books. Uh, I remember. I know there's a cottage industry online of people who buy print copies and then sell the codes for like a buck. Mm-hmm. And there's groups that are set up like, well, I buy XYZ book and this person buys ABC book. And every month we just swap. He gives me his code from ABC. I give him my codes from XYZ and we're even, right? Mm-hmm. And I also remember a couple of years back where there was like a summer where they just decided like yeah for the next like four months that code instead of giving you the book that you bought it's going to give you like three older books as a bonus treat and you don't get a digital copy of this one and people flipped out over that right Mm -hmm. and the redeem process was easy there's a page in the book that has an ad on it the bottom third of the page has a little sticker you peel it off you go to a website you enter that code in bada bing bada boom right and your book is no longer mint but go ahead well, it depends on who you talk to and where you sell those books and so on and so forth. Um, but that's probably the reason why they decided to do this, because now what you need to do is you need to go to a different Marvel site, enter the information that's connected to your Comixology account, then take a picture of the cover of the book that you want the code for and email it or upload it to the site. Then you will get your code in one to 48 hours. Right. What stops me from taking pictures of comics at a comic shop? That's a great question. What stops me from taking, let's say, you have a Comixology account, and Fancy Gentleman has a Comixology account, and DJ from We Need Wrestling has a Comixology account, I'm sure, and I just take four different pictures of this issue of Hulk number two, and I send one for myself and one for you and one for fancy gentlemen and one for whomever, right? Right. Now, I'm sure there's something off the UPC code that they could figure out, but as far as I can tell, those UPC codes are the same, but I don't see this one lasting long because there's too many loopholes in this one. I definitely think their idea was, one, we want the comics to be gem min 10, and by peeling a sticker out, people were claiming that they're not. And that was probably biting someone on like a CGC somewhere. And then two, they don't want you selling your codes to someone else. They want you redeeming the codes for your books. Right. That's money left on the table for them. Yes. Um, 
But I because it definitely can't be on the cover because when they mass print, like I worked in a print shop, like books stuff. So when they print up those covers, those covers are mass produced with a certain image. That would mean they would have to tweak each image so it would make it individual for the cover, like put a watermark. And I just, that seems like way too much work. And I don't know, I've been away from it now for 30 years uh, that I don't know if they're able to do that easily, if you get my meaning. So I, I don't know. I just, it doesn't seem to work to me. And I just see, I think the whole world should just buy Hulk too and then just swap a picture of it forever. That's an interesting theory is all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. I don't see that one lasting too long is all. Either do I. Yeah. Uh, but one thing that is going to last forever, Todd. Forever. Ugh. Forever. Ugh. <laughs> forever. That's Ugh. the soon-to-be-named network. at soon-to-be-namednetwork.com. And uh, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. I cannot be shamed into not using Tumblr, just so you know. Okay. Uh, anytime any of the shows in the soon to be named network go live, of course, you can find them from their own individual feeds. If you're a podcatcher person, what have you. Or if you want everything in one shot, you could get it all here. And anytime any of the folks from the soon to be named network shows show up on other shows, and they let me know that they showed up on those other shows. You're going to find those over at soonvnamenetwork.com as well. Whether it be this show, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, At Odds with Wrestling, We Need Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, uh, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Argument, Wings on Wings, Hit My Music, and of course, Porch Talk. Yes. Uh, you can also check out our friend Kevin's website, MassLibrary.com, with all of his uh, thrift store finds, unboxings, and so forth that he puts up there. Rick Williams, The Chop Shop, all the cool resin and glow-in-the-dark sci-fi, fantasy, and wrestling figures that he does. Uh, listeners of the show have done self-published comics that you can get on Comixology. Jason Sandberg has done Jupiter. Chris Runt has done Battle Monsters. Both of those are linked up in the show notes. And if you do not have a comic book shop in your area or do not have a good comic book shop in your area, let our comic book shop, Comics on the Green, be your comic book shop. Uh, The link to his Facebook, where he does a lot of his updates and business and so forth, and even has a store there, and also information about how you could sign up for his mail order subscription service, whether you're going to get your book sent to you weekly, every other week, once a month, that means the books are coming out of your ba- out of your bag and into your house. You're not leaving a glut of books there for months and months on end like so many other folks do. Be a good person if you're going through the mail order subscription service because you might even get a sketch from our good friend Becky and you can go check out her progress on all of those things on her social media and compliment her on her new haircut. Yes. And as we reach the uh, shank of the holiday season, Todd, there is a litany of digital sales going on just in case you have digital coin burning a hole in your digital wallet and you want to buy a ton of digital comic books. Uh, you've got, uh, Oni having a sale, IDW having a sale, Dynamite having a sale, Boom having a sale, Valiant having a sale, and Abstract all having sales. All general, generic, whatever sales, no, 
you know, it's just like, oh, sale of the month, sale of the year, sale of the whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Marvel, on the other hand, uh, is having a sale on Star Wars stuff. They're having a sale on the Marvel Masterworks things. Uh, they're having a sale on Legendary Runs. They're having a sale on Amazing Spider-Man Legacy stuff. Ooh, I wonder why. And quite a legacy that uh, he has there. And, of course, DC is just having, like, a generic one as well. Uh, where it's just like, you know, everything kind of in graphic novel form is available there. And uh, Tarot Witch of the Black Rose is on sale, Todd. Oh, Jim Ballant. Mm-hmm. That's a, he's a local boy, ain't he? Yes, he is. That's yeah, an interesting book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> De- definitely never going to be covered on this show. Uh, you never know. Might be what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> Let's hope not. Um. So let's get into what we read from this past week, Mr. Todd. Uh, yes, we will, which was Hulk number two, written by Donnie Cates, art by Ryan Otley. Um, the Hulk uh, has is now a basically a vessel for uh, Banner's mind. And in there, he's using the regular Hulk's mind uh, as a engine uh, for the rage that he does to fuel this. And he's been blamed for something that happened in El Paso and he decides that he's going to leave through this dimensional rift. Um, uh, and, uh, because I think he told them that the Avengers weren't ready for what, you know, he was going to become. So this is him after going through the dimensional rift and he, he comes upon a group in this bleed like thing. And they're called the alternate alternate universe timeline hazard operations response and intervention team why something it stops because the hulk smashes into them um that almost seems like it says authority but it can't say that but anyway so the the hulk is going through this thing and something grabs them and it ends up waking up banner and it's like oh you know something's got a hold of us and he's like must be the avengers they want me back um but if they pull me through this i'm going to revert to banner and I'm not going to survive this bleed. So he ends up turning the power on the engine. And we find out that each time he turns up the power, something, you know, in the in basically this holograph room or whatever, it makes these things that Hulk's got to fight, makes it matter. And the things become cooler and cooler as he's jumping up the engine. As of this issue, we're on three. I have a feeling, like we said before, we're going to get to 10 very, very fast. Um, things kind of go sideways and we meet the person who wanted to grab the Hulk and lo and behold, it's not the Avengers like Banner thought it's someone else leading us to dun, 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 what's going to happen. I don't want to give too much away. Um, I like this issue. It was fun seeing the Hulk in the engine room, like what he was battling, but I will admit this was a very, very quick read. Good, but very quick. But I enjoyed it. Um, like I said, I, we got the premise of everything in the previous issue, and then this issue is just kind of going to be more of those big ideas. I loved all the different things that Banner throws into the quote-unquote engine room to fuel the Hulk's rage. Mm-hmm. And obviously, that last page reveal. It's going to be interesting to see uh, where things transpire from here. Right. Uh, but yeah, you pretty much covered everything regarding that. Uh, That's what I do. Yeah, not really sure what else uh, there is to say on this, but it was really good. Uh, if you like the first issue, definitely, you know, second issue is just a continuation of that. Now, you said you feel as though they're going to hit issue 10 here really quickly. 
not issue 10, but uh, what would you call it? Uh, the, the, the He's turning the engine up and the, the engine to 10. Gotcha, I gotcha. I think we're going to go at least to an issue. So we'll hit 10 in like, you know, we only have seven more to go. You get what I'm trying to say? It'll right. be fast. Yes. So. so that was a quickie. Yeah. Well, that's what you said. A short show, Joe. That's what we're hoping for. So, hey, that's what we read this past week. Uh, again, we didn't have a ton of books either this past week anyway, you know? Right. Even Not though I read a bunch of stuff, I don't think we crossed over on a ton of stuff. Right. It's okay. It was a big news segment. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com, uh, every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, whether you wait for the incorrect print on a trade and then have to go through the hurdles to get the correction, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. And with only two weeks left in the calendar year and my lead of three, my gazintas tell me I won. You won. I'm just going to pick wrongly so I could pad your stats. Joe. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Don't do that. Right. I expect you, Todd, to put as much effort in in game 160 as you did in game one. Well, that's what I do. I give it my all. Or, you know what? I definitely give the same amount from beginning to end. What amount? That's a whole nother story. Um, but looking over your list and is the book you're looking forward to most? Because I have it down to two. And I know you're always a one book. But uh, is it Avengers Forever? It is Avengers Forever. Ugh. Uh, where I think the book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week would be King Conan, number one. Right. Definitely Kang the King Conqueror, number one. <laughs> what did you say? Kang the King Conqueror, number one. No, it is King I was going to say, did I make a typo in there that I need to fix? <laughs> no, I just like the idea of muddling all those words together. Oh, my goodness. My you laugh. Sake. Whatever. whatever. Uh, but yeah, so I'm both both written by Jason Aaron, both new number ones. Um, you know, I kind of fell off of Jason Aaron's Avengers thing, but this is a new fresh start. It leads into whatever they're going to be doing in 2022 with Kang as the big bad in the Marvel universe, as he just, as he most certainly should be. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to see uh, how this one shakes out. You know. Yep. And while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark. And of course, Todd and Joe have issues. Todd, I know you've been waiting for this one. Yes. Oh, okay. So basically, this is pretty much the end of the spider clone saga. I know you're giving me one more issue, but this is the issue that wraps up all the stuff of what went on behind the scenes that we never saw. It is the Spider-Man, the Osborne journal, um, which was written by Glenn Greenberg, who, who had a hefty, you know, uphill battle in front of him, Joe. So, uh, and I will admit though, I don't do this a lot, but they, they had uh, Kyle Hotz on pencils and he definitely had a uh, Kelly Jones style to me at times, if that makes any sense. 
um, like he was ripping that off. But uh, that's the that's the only thing that I have on the art. So it basically uh, talks about, you know, Norman talking about how the day he died when he was trying to kill Gwen Stacy and uh, he got hit with the glider um, and he ends up waking up and he thought he was in a grave. But it turns out he was just, you know, under a sheet in the morgue. He kind of wakes up and he realizes that the uh, the goblin serum gave him, you know, enhanced uh, healing factor kind of a deal. Um and he survived that he started uh, his bones knitting like the second that, you know, they, they pulled the glider out of him. And then we cut to him sitting, you know, now writing the goblin goblin journal as he's feeding a spider to a, an iguana or a lizard or something like that. So I find that interesting. And he's like, here's the, here, here it all is. And he wakes up, he reads his uh, uh, thing that he says, that no autopsy has been performed yet. He's like, he doesn't want to be exposed as the green goblin. Um, but he hears Harry outside who, you know, he's got a berate. He's like, he's off, you know, he's usually too addled from the drugs, but he's here. Why is he paying off the coroner? We'll find out about that in a minute. He ends up and he goes out and he ends up, uh, murdering a homeless drifter. Who's about the same height, same build. He even gives him the wound in the chest and he ends up putting him, um, in, uh, the place that he was to take the place. And uh, uh, Harry paid off the coroner to not do an autopsy and basically do a quick wipe away. So the legacy wasn't ruined. Um, so he ends up sit watching the funeral um, of himself and Parker didn't even show up uh, of his son's so-called best friend. Um, I, I keep liking the way that at least Norman is like back and forth on, on Harry, he's like, he, he belittles him, but he's like, nobody does anything bad to him but me, kind of a deal. And uh, so he goes back to one of his safe houses and he finds Harry, you know, making the promise that he's going to avenge his father as the goblin. And he says, all right, you know, uh, you know, I thought he was a spineless wimp, but he's taking control of him. I'll let him, you know, try and take down the spider and I'll go away to Europe and hide um, and he ends, he goes and he ends up building an empire of like uh, informants and people that were underlings and stuff. And he comes across the cabal of the scryer and he ends up, and he even says, he's like, the cabal was very reminiscent of the mob, the Ku Klux Klan and the Hellfire Club. Now there's a trifecta, Joe. <laughs> um, so he decides that he's going to, he, he's going to, you know, end up using them to a hostile takeover, especially cause he likes the idea of the way they look. They have this ghost like, uh, look to them. So he ends up, uh, using them. Um, Harry ends up basically failing pretty much as the goblin. And he's like, Harry, you know, being, you know, institutionalized and being insane, Brian bringing disgrace to the uh, uh, Osborne name um, along the way he ends up uh, he goes, he knows about uh, Miles Warren and his plan to create clones. So he ends up sending one of his scryers to help him. He's like, I'll help you with your cloning exper experiments and make you, you know, do everything that you can to bring back Gwen and end up, you know, doing his, basically all the stuff that we're going to find out about this. And he ends up finding the trainer is actually working for miles and he ends up going to him and he's like, he ends up find Scryer finds out that he's robbing information from uh, a Warren 
And he ends up going, the scryer says, well, you know, you're under my control now. You're going to do like what we say. And uh, I'm going to come to you for a favor. If you don't, I'm going to tell Miles Warren about it. And he's like, no, he'll kill me. He's like, okay, so you agree? He goes, he ends up agreeing. So uh, scryer, not scryer, well, scryer and Miles Warren, they end up making the uh, clone, but they find out that it has, the degeneration thing that turns out to be Kane, as we all know. And he's like, Oh, I can't do that to Gwen. So they put a Gwen in stasis. Now this is where, I mean, this, where it starts getting confusing. It starts getting really confusing. He's like, but then he makes a healthy Gwen clone. And he also makes the healthy Peter clone, um, which is, you know, the one that will be Ben Riley. Um, so he's like, uh, your work's here done, Warren. I suspect our cr- paths will cross, Scryer says. Um, so we get to the classic spider clone saga where, uh, you know, Jackal beats, uh, the, you know, Peter down and there's the explosion. He ends up figuring out which one is the original and which one's the duplicate. Uh, he ends up throwing one of them into the, you know, the whole story into the, the, smokestack and one is uh the regular one but what he didn't know which even behind the the scenes was he talked to trainer to make it so it would be confused if he tested one or the other that would get the wrong answers kind of a deal so he ends up thinking that he's throwing the fake one down the smokestack but it's the real one i don't know it's it's really really confusing so he does that then they end up throwing down uh, or no Jackal comes. He gets Ben Riley out of there and then throws another fake clone down, which was never answered why that one was in the smokestack in the thing. Ben goes off and does his stuff. Um, Scryer says to trainer. Now you're going to, this is the thing that I said, I'm going to come back and you owe me. You're going to follow Ben around and keep tabs on him. But in the end he ends up, you know, being his confidant and that he's like, that's going to come back to bite us. I think because he, he got too close to him and it kind of does, as we know in the story, um, he's like, now at this point, um, there's a new green goblin flying around and he figures, Oh, this must be Harry loose again. He goes, but as it turned out, it was his psychiatrist, Dr. Bart Hamilton, who fancied himself the criminal mastermind. His stint as the goblin was extremely short lived. I did not even discover his identity until after he was killed in explosion. So Norman's like, that's the reason we find out Norman didn't kill him because he was, you know, doing his gimmick, which he won't allow as we go further on. Um, then he ends up finding Norman finds out that Mendelstrom, that name that you were worried I was going to know. That's right. <laughs> um, he ends up talking that he's like, what Mendelstrom might be alive, but it turns out that it was the robot version. Um, uh, and that ends up getting destroyed. But then one of the scryers says like, well, you had us checking that out. We found out that he helped you with the, the, the goblin serum that he tested it on himself. He's like, if that's true, then maybe he's still alive like me. And he ends up finding the body. He's like, yes, it is kind of in like a decayed state, but the body's still there. Um, so he ends up using science to bring him back and we get gone. And he's like, you know what? I'll work to bring you back to the person you were, but you're going to do whatever I say 
as uh, you know, as a part of the deal. And he ends up bringing all this tech that Norman gives them to take to the scryer so they can look like, you know, uh, whatever, like ghosts and illusions and, and, you know, being a supernatural entity of immense power, which I don't even remember him having that stuff. It always just seemed like he batman into the shadows. So this is all weird. Um, while this, he finds out that there's someone who shows up as the hobgoblin and he's like, Oh, like this person, it, you know, it galls me that he found my, my stuff and he's ended up, you know, going around and, he doesn't so much say anything that I'm going to do anything about this as he did the other goblin. Um, now into the fray comes Judas Traveler, and they start talking about him, everything that we learned, like that he was someone who was di- diving into good and evil, and it, it overwhelmed him, and it triggered his latent mutant power, which is the powers to alter a person's perception, and those powers extended to him because he became convinced that he was a godlike being who had walked the earth for untold centuries, <laughs> studying, studying good and evil. So he's like, okay, this is going to be a problem. So he ends up uh, getting Scryer to like pretend that he's been around forever as his underling, and he ends up getting... Norman gives him the host as a bunch of, uh, you know, sidekicks that we all know about. Um, while this is going on, we end up finding out that, you know, Peter got married. Um, Norman, or not Norman, Harry was, uh, he he came back from his breakdown and he ended up getting married and gave them, uh, he had a son, which would be Norman's uh, grandson. What was this, the grandson's name? Uh, Normie. Normie, right. Um so while this is going on, Harry has another breakdown. He ends up doing something with the goblin serum to make himself stronger, and he ends up dying. Also, uh, what would you call it? Uh, also, you know, bringing shame to the name again. He's like he was a loser. But Harry, uh, Norman says Harry um, was still my son and on, and my only son. He was an Osborne. His death won't go unpunished. So it's like, okay, so he's even though his son's an idiot, he's still like, I'll punish him. But because of the fact that it was the goblin formula that got him, there was he's not going to come back the way uh, uh, Norman did. Harry died because of the formula, so no resurrection. So Harry would never, ever, ever, ever come back, Joe. Um, so along this time, the he goes, the plan starts to fall into place without even me doing anything because uh, Aunt May falls into a coma, which brings the Ben Riley clone home. He's like, okay, this is when I could start uh, messing with them. And uh, eventually Aunt May dies. And this is very important, Joe. Then the old woman finally died, delivering a major emotional blow to Parker and his wife. Do you know what Norman's only regret was? Is that he was not the cause of Aunt May dying. Oh, well, he technically wasn't the cause of Aunt May dying, right, Joe? Correct. Um, so they end up, uh, uh, Ben and, and Peter, you know, a meeting. And uh, this is when the Jackal came back to life and he's into the mix. And he ends up uh, start messing with uh, Peter and Ben. And so this is when Norman decides to come back to America. And uh, he was like, oh, uh He's like, what was it? He goes, I, uh, it was, 
he wanted Parker and Riley to doubt the truth about themselves to what absolutely sure which of them was the clone and which was the original. The Jackal accomplished that task, task quite nicely because he was completely unaware that he was serving my needs. Um, cause he like said that neither of them were the original and it's like, okay, this is starting to, you know, he, and they have a nice little picture of actually Norman, uh, being like a puppet master to, uh, the jackal, which is ridiculous because it makes no sense because the jackal was just crazy doing whatever he says. So now uh, Gott shows up to talk to trainer and he's like, you're going to do stuff uh, for me and you're going to help uh, bring my body back. And he's like, ah, oh, who are you working for Scryer? He's like, Scryer, never heard of him. My employer wants to remain anonymous for now. So I'm like, okay. So he sends somebody else and he also wants uh, not only his body fixed, but for you to tamper with the lab equipment. So Parker, uh, if you test them, they're going to get the wrong answers. So he agrees uh, to that. They talk about a bit where from beyond the grave, uh, Harry tries to give Normie his son, the goblin serum, but in the end that would have killed him. So uh, he's like, okay, he even say he saved Normie, but I'm still going to punish him. While that's going on, Harry's legacy lived on with a new Green Goblin um, who stumbled upon his new high-tech advanced costumes. And this, interestingly enough, this new Goblin fancied himself a crime fighter. So uh, he's like, they end up following him. He has and he has Arcade like try to attack him or whatever. So I guess this is all in the Green Goblin book that uh, I didn't read. He's like, and so they evaluate him and he's like, ah, he's not that great. He's just you know, using the name and the costume. He's like, but they don't belong to him. I suppose I'll kill him just to make a point. Did this Green Goblin die? No. Okay, so he never kills him unless he does after this. I don't know. So now they show that they test uh, uh, Ben and Peter to see who the original clone is. And he ends up saying, I'm sorry, Peter, you're the clone. Ben's the original. Peter loses his mind and hits absolutely nobody, especially his wife, when he goes mad. Um, then while this is going on, we find out that the, like the Jackal's plan and, uh, it's going crazy. And Norman's like, send Scryer to stop him. He's like, no, he's going to, I'm not going to stop, which was the plan was to replace everybody in the world with a clone, which would seem very viable. Um, so, but in the end, uh, Jackal ends up dying by kind of his own hand of screwing around. He ends up talking about how, uh, Ben and Peter switch places with, you know, with the blessing and Peter's kind of happy that he's going to go off with his wife. And he's like, that's not part of the plan. So he ends up buying the smokestack where the other clones body is that they drop down. He's like, and that will end up, uh, being, you know, like draw, like add more confusion and it will bring Peter back from where he's, he's at. Um, he ends up, uh, uh, trainer still fixing, Gaunt's body he had they end up giving him cell 12 or whatever it was called and they end up beating peter and he's like beat him to a pulp and how i envied them so he's 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 like and also their leader the hobgoblin ironically enough uh nearly killed riley in battle uh this was the second hobgoblin not the one who raided my hideout and stole my journals otherwise i would have killed them myself 
which he never did, even though he know about him all those years. But this is the second Hobgoblin. Um, so so they to, show that... Not to interrupt, that actually ends up being the third Hobgoblin, but we haven't told that story yet. So even though Norman does know when that story gets told, he's lying and lying to himself in his own journal. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> I was worried that he wasn't lying to himself in his uh. own journal. So while that's going on... Uh, that one of the scryers comes to him and he's like, oh, no, uh, uh, Judas Traveler's kind of displeased about everything that's going on. He's like, oh, if he connects me uh, to Strom, to me, then there's going to be problems. And a loose cannon as powerful as the Traveler could destroy everything I work for. He has to be eliminated. So they, uh, the host ends up capturing Judas Traveler and putting him in a tube underwater in a pool at a YMCA, which will definitely kill him. So he gets out, obviously, as he did. Um, Peter saved him. He's like, so I have yet another reason to hate Parker with all my heart. And then um, then it says, no matter, Traveler has apparently chosen to take himself out of the game and departed for parts unknown. He is no longer any concern of mine, dot, 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 or the Spider-Man editorial people. So as you said, he's never been seen before or seen again after this. Um, Strom comes to Norman. He's like, we're ready to like fix me kind of a deal. And then Norman's like, okay, what are we going to do? Um, what am I going to do with Strom? Am I going to keep him around? What am I going to do with trainer? He knows everything. Um, keep him, keep him around. He's like, I basically, you know, done everything I can to strip Peter of his, uh, identity and his humanity, but he ends up working together with Ben. Well, you're all going to pay because tomorrow night is Halloween, the night for ghosts, dot, 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 and or goblins, the end, Joe. My God, this made it even more confusing than it was before. By trying to fit Norman into the plot holes, they somehow made things even worse. Yes, because stuff just... Like you said, like where he's like, oh, somebody's, everybody's using, everybody's using the goblin gimmick. I'm going to murder them all, except when I don't murder any of them. Right. Or here's the reason I didn't murder them because I didn't know about them. Like they weren't in the news for a month and then they went away. So I never kill. I'm like, this is just contradicting itself on top of contradicting itself. Right. The the two big glaring ones are, and the story doesn't come out, you know, the, the, as I mentioned, the Hobgoblin one where he says that it's the second one, but it actually ends up being the third one because I forget who the first one, like, I'm not counting like when Ned Leeds gets framed to be the Hobgoblin, because mm-hmm. um, Jason McIndale was the second one, who's this one that they're talking about here, but then there was one before him and then one before him that mm-hmm. we learn about at a later date, but Norman always knew about. Right. But he doesn't mention it here. And of course, the biggest glaring thing is the Aunt May thing. But he said he he wished that it would, you know, he doesn't say that. I know. I'm joking. It's terrible. But they tried. They tried and failed. I really like Kyle Haas's art. But do you see the Kelly Jones look? Yes. Oh, absolutely. And if you look at, like, how his stuff was then and how it's kind of evolved to what it looks like now... Um, you know, it's like back then in the 90s, it was very much Kelly Jones stuff. And I'm a big, I was a big Kelly Jones guy. So to see somebody else like aping that style was like super cool. Mm -hmm. And he's on like, he's in my top, 
five uh, favorite artists, I'd say. Kelly Jones, of, you mean? Well, no, well, Kelly Jones, yes, but Kyle Hotz, like, living artist, because Kelly Jones passed away earlier this year, I think. No, Kelly Jones is still alive. Hmm. Who's who the bat thinking. artist? Who's the big bat artist that passed away this year? Do you think about the bat rider? Could have swore there was an artist. Danny O'Neill passed away this year. All right, Kelly Jones is still on the list. He's still alive. There was somebody else. Somebody could yell at us that they're who it was. Right, somebody's but, yelling at their Alexa right now. That's right. In three weeks. <laughs> um. So, yeah, this was a mess, but they tried. Do you want to do Jonah Hex, Joe? I do. This is Jonah Hex number 69, written by Jim Palmiotti, Justin Gray, with art by Jeff Lemire, which was a nice surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, his art is beautiful and is colored fantastically in this issue. Um, it is, if at the time, if I read this, I'd be probably not like my socks would be knocked off. But I would hate to say that I was distracted a little bit about this because you typically see Jeff Lemire drawn, like very rarely is he an artist for hire. Usually if he's doing art, it's on one of his own books. Mm -hmm. So to see his art on something else was just like, okay, this was, you know, 10 years ago, you know, it was a different time, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But it was really good. Uh, Story starts off of of a man, an old man, uh for the last 30 years uh has been trying to find gold and every day he's voyaged back and forth looking for it in the last five years he's been in this town and the people in this town don't know who he is don't know his nan name don't know nothing but they do know that maybe he finally found gold Mm -hmm. so what they're gonna do is they're gonna follow him uh, they're going to formulate a plan that once he for sure, once they know for sure that he found gold, they're going to jump him and they're going to take the claim for themselves and split everything four ways. So Jonah Hex overhears this conversation about amongst these four men with their plan that they're going to do, right? Mm-hmm. So Jonah Hex, maybe there's a bounty out on one of these guys. Maybe there's a bounty out on the man that they're after, whatever it is. These four men follow the old man out into the the desert, and Jonah follows those four men. And Jonah lets them all kind of kill themselves off. And they're all laying, strewn about, shot. The old man, though, still has a little bit of life left in him. And it's at this point uh, that we've, we find out that Jonah knows who this old man is. Because this is Jonah's father. Mm-hmm. And once we get to that reveal, holy cow, is this a powerful issue? Yes, it is, boy. Where it starts off of like, it's, what do they say, the seven stages of grief, if you will. Mm-hmm. We get to see Jonah's dad go through all of them. Trying to insult Jonah, trying to ignore Jonah. Just looking for everything for just a sip of whiskey while he's trying to insult him. Oh, you're just you're you know you're too, you're just here to uh you, you know if you want me dead so bad then why don't you kill me? He's like, nope, I just want to watch you die. I don't want to be the one that kills you, but I want to watch you die. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, you're too much of a coward. 
uh, to do it yourself. And Jonah's like, nope, I'm just going to sit here. I'll wait as long as it takes. And then his dad's like, oh, you want an apology? You're not getting anything. You want to tell me off one last time? And Jonah's like, nope, I got nothing to say. And as it just continues and goes on, you could sort of see Jonah's father realize his fate and kind of come to grips with what he did. Doesn't make him that much better of a person. Uh, but kind of points out a little bit to Jonah that maybe he's more like the old man than Jonah would care to admit. Mm-hmm. And eventually, the old man dies. He kicks the bucket. And Jonah gives him a proper burial. And after all the begging and after all the pleading, at least the way that it's shot, it looks like Jonah gives him that, buries him with the gold that he found too. Jonah doesn't take any of it as far as we can tell. Right. Or no, it doesn't bury. He just leaves it there. He doesn't bury it with him. He just leaves it outside. Jonah gives him that one last pour of whiskey and then rides off into the sunset. Okay. Two things, like you said, he does bury a little bit with him, but he leaves the gold as a marker kind yeah. of a deal on top, which I think is cool. Now, Joe, I got one question for you. Oh, also along the way, remember that issue where there was the kids that kept beating up Jonah when he was a kid. Yes. The father go gave him a whooping. And then Jonah comes back to the town and they put the, the ball and chains on his wrist and he ends up shooting them all. And I asked, who do you think that old man was? Look, and he ends up mentioning this issue. That was him knowing who Jonah was. So that's who it did turn out to be. Now at the end, does he give, I'm just asking now. I'm, an, I'm just a guy who's asking questions. You know what I mean? He drinks the whiskey. But if you look at that page, does he urinate on the grave or does he spill the whiskey out? It's a little unclear. I'm just asking because I like to think that it's ambiguous. You know what I mean? That, I, I don't know. But that's why I'm saying, you know, does it look like he because he leaves the whiskey bottle there, too. Mm hmm. Yeah. But what did he say he always did to the whiskey bottles? He would always uh, tinkle in the whiskey bottles. Right. And the father said, I always knew. He goes, but, you know. Whiskey's good, man. And like, I've had worse. So this was, this was like a penultimate issue, as we say, like to kind of, kind of go out on, because in the old run, um, he did meet his father a couple of times. He even says in this, he's like, he's like, you know, like he, that was that time you did stop looking for gold to do your, uh, uh, your sheriff opportunity. And there was a couple issues where he was, you know, he had a sheriff's job and stuff like that. But we never got at any point how it ended with him and his father or whatever happened to his father. So Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray decided, here we're doing, we're doing the ending to their to their relationship. And I don't think they they there could be a better story about the end of their relationship. And he ends up, you know, mixing it in with the mother and every, I'm like, I love this is one of my top like five favorite issues of Jonah Hex ever written. So Yeah, this one was really good. Really good. So, so last week. but not least, uh, to wrap things up for next week, we have issue 70 of Jonah Hex before it transfers over to the new 52 in All-Star Western. And 101 Ways to Save this Clone Saga and the Clone Saga. I forgot what the actual title of the thing is. Uh, but this is more of a tongue-in-cheek thing of the Marvel editorial staff 
uh, kind of ribbing on maybe some of the ideas that they had come up with to try to wrap some wrap up the clone saga. Maybe some more fanciful than others. Right. And I thought I feel it. I felt as though that would be a nice palate cleanser to kind of wrap things up. You know, anything would have cleansed my palate after yeah. that year long <laughs> adventure, Joe. For sure. Uh, so, uh, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did have one art attack from Fred Chamberlain, um, an unexpected childhood windfall. The last two pages from Pollard's and Sinat's Fantastic Four 200. Love this combo as a kid. And the power of the final pages was burned into my consciousness. Extra treasure is the penciled figure on the back of page 45. And he also says that uh, doom whimpering like a mindless cur. Um, You don't see that often. I will see if that moment. Uh, I will see if that moment has been revisited. It, it'd make for a good, powerful narrative for a man with Doom's pride. I say it was probably a Doom bot. Doom would never whimper like a cur, but that is a fantastic two-page uh, double, you know, get. And then the sketch on the back, just probably trying stuff out or whatever. Um, that's that's fantastic. I love that. And when you can get, you know, something from your ute, as they as they say. Um, that you loved more power to you, man. Absolutely. And those are some cool looking pages and they look to be in fantastic shape as well. And that's maybe some of the more important uh, discussion when you're talking about stuff that that's, that is that old, I would say probably like what late sixties, early seventies, maybe. I want to say it was the seventies by fantastic Four 200. Um, I'm looking that up right now because now you have me thinking, 78 uh, 78 yeah, yeah look at you like the 60s but even still like those are 40 plus year old pages and they look yep. to be in fantastic shape i'm with you and uh, anytime that i get to see pages where you get to see like the blue lines underneath on like the official like pages that you're supposed to submit your stuff on for marvel or dc i love it Right. Or the like, if you look at the bottom of some of it, like the notes that they probably added for like, oh, coloring or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Uh, so uh, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out our store. Uh, I'll be making trips to the post office this week. Uh, sending out those last uh, Christmas gifts. So if you want to purchase a shirt or a pin or a sticker, by all means, do so. And I'll get that sent out to you as quickly as I can. Uh, these are shirts printed by a reputable printer in the area, the good old LVAC boys. Uh, I'd rather not, it, it was a long time ago where we got the stickers made from. I can't be held detestable for remarks made this week. I apologize for that. Uh, you could also head over to our T public store, tinyurlcom slash longboxheroes, and you can get designs inspired by this show, Longbox Heroes After Dark. Uh, at odds with wrestling, final wrestling plays, hit my music on anything from cell phone covers to notebooks to anything in between. Uh, we are in that rare area where there are no sales going on. So, you know, I'm sure New Year's there'll be a new sale to check that out. Uh, you can also help us out by signing up for our Patreon. Uh, for as little as a dollar a month, you get two bonus shows from Todd and myself. Uh, we just wrapped up six never seen movies with me having watched The Matrix for the first time in my entire life. 
Did I like it? Did I not like it? Only one way to find out. Uh, if you want to find out now at the $5 level, that episode is ready to go. Uh, that's the main difference between the five and the dollar levels is you still get those two uh, bonus shows a month. You just get them two weeks before everyone else. And you also get After Dark two days before everyone else. Uh, so you can listen to these shows in the correct listening order. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be uh, looking into in the coming year doing the like pay for a year in advance at a discounted price. Um, you know, just trying to build up that Patreon uh, coming in, you know. I get what you mean. Yep, yep. And lastly, but not leastly, a uh, way that you can help us out is by making any and all of your purchases through the Amazon banner. Click through at the top of the page at longboxheroes.com. Does not cost you anything extra. They, Amazon, call it an advertising fee because if it was not for us, you would not know that Amazon exists. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include... Uh, Hawkeye by Matt Fraction and David Aha, the saga of Barton and Bishop. Um, this is a new collection, and I will say I don't like the new trade dress on this, but uh, at least you're reading one of the best comics made in the last 10 to 15 years. Why? What's the trade dress? Just not Aja's work? Or no. What? I'll have to look that up. Okay. Yeah. Uh, somebody purchased a Swax Lax uh, lacrosse training ball. Uh, somebody purchased a, uh, pack of Uniball Jetstream Extra Fine Click Retractable Roller Pens. I'm a pen junkie, so that makes me happy. Uh, somebody purchased, uh, an Amazon gift card at 25 bucks. That's the gift card opportunity that I love to see. <laughs> yep. And another opportunity that I love to see is somebody purchase the game for children, Throw Throw Burrito, and the Pokemon Sword and Shield Evolving Skies Build and Battle Box. Uh, Since those were purchased from someone else, uh, and I know where they're going to, that's the other way the opportunity works as well. Okay. Yes. Uh, so thank you to anyone and everyone who's made a purchase this year, this week, this month, this whenever through the Amazon click through. It does help us out immensely. Right. And I'll just mention really quick with the pigskin pickums. Uh, Sklodu is still in number one with me three picks away uh, from taking the lead. Um, if that happens, probably a trophy. But as of right now, no trophy. Unless Skludu or Sklodu comes forward and says, hi, I'm a person, give me my trophy, then we have no choice but to give him a trophy. Right, but I'm thinking we're only going to get the trophy if I win. I'm taking a page out of your other co-host's playbook. All right. Uh, But anyway. So uh, before we get into TV and movie talk, I think it's time to do the uh, gift exchange. Yeah, the Secret Santa. I wonder who got me my gift. Right. Again, this is not amongst the entire network. It's just amongst this show. Now, you gave me two things, right? Yes. And am, I supposed, to, am I supposed to open them up in a certain order? Yes, the big one, if you will, first. So I'm going to let you go first on that one. and then Because I got two things. Right. So I'll go in the middle, if that's okay. Is your gift wrapped, or did I just give it to you in the bubble paper? You gave it to me just in the bubble paper. I think April asked to wrap it, and I didn't want to put any undue stress on her. Maybe after dark. There's a bag. Ooh, it's a heavy box. Yes, it is. 
And uh, Todd gets me these every year, and I think yeah. I know what this is. Can you imagine? Can you? Hope? Oh, it's uh, Absolute Preacher Volume Tree. And right. I want to get it to you before they change the labeling on it. If they reprint it, and it becomes a black label book. Yeah. Now they're all vertigos. So that's yeah, the way it should be. So should I go next? Yes, you go next. I'm going to try and cut this without ruining anything because it's... Be very very, careful. It's very well protected. You know what I mean? That was me. I'm using the knife you gave me several years ago, Joe. Oh, look at that. That's one of my favorite gifts I've ever gotten. All joking aside, I use it all the time. Let me put that knife down so I don't hurt myself. Oh, my God. What did you put this in? The wrapping that it came in, right? Yep, I didn't. That's how it came to the house. Uh, I trusted the seller, and uh, it is what it is. I'm sorry, this is going to take a little longer than I thought. That's okay. Oh, oh my God. Still being careful, Joe. Don't you worry. Don't ruin it. I won't ruin it. I won't ruin it. Oh, my God. The paper's rubbing up against the microphone. This is a great podcast. Oh, it's concrete the short stories collection all right yes thank you joe now and again it's you know one of the things that i do for todd is i listen to him when we do previewing the past and he mentions things or we talk about things or he says what have you uh and he's like oh, i didn't even know this thing existed i'm like well if todd didn't know it existed he definitely doesn't have it right mm-hmm. um now again i'll just say this uh, it is a signed and numbered item that's 30 years old. Oh, okay. Uh, there are versions of it that go as low as $40. Mm-hmm. And there's versions of it that go as high as $160. Right. I paid somewhere between those two numbers. Okay. A lot of it goes by the condition. Right. And what number it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, I, I think it was like it was limited to 500 pieces. So, like, I, I, not that I saw any for sale, but like weird numbers like 478 wasn't selling as much as 100 or 200 or 300 or 400 or 500. Right. Like people like nice round numbers on theirs. Mm-hmm. And it was a while ago that I got it. Remind me what number. Is it signed and numbered for you? I And I'm not trying to be a jerk. I can't find the numbering. Okay. I don't know if it's on the first. Like, if you know what I mean? Uh, let me Oh, look. I found I, it. Okay. The pages were sticking together. You know what I mean? Yes. So it is 142 of 2000. Oh, of 2000. See, I thought it was 500. My apologies. No, it doesn't matter. This is awesome. You know, yes. you know as I always say, I'm a big concrete guy. Uh-huh. Um, so I love this. I'm glad you like it. Um, and like I said, it was it was a lot of me going through <sighs> Ebay's and Mercari's and whatnots and all these different things, asking for more pictures, asking for whatever's to get the copy that I felt looked the best, you know? Right. No, I get you. Yeah. I never really asked you to do this. Can you p- turn on your camera? Uh, uh-oh. I'm in trouble. 
Yep. Hang on. Where's my camera? If you can, just great podcasting again, as you say. Oh, I could see a light. There we go. There we go. Oh, the handsome is just coming through. There it is, mugging it up. But uh, so you have the other one. Now I have to open this one. What that is? Any idea? Uh, it's obviously a doll of some kind, right? Yeah. Yes. I am a toy boy. Bar. Now, is it in a fig? It feels like it might be in a figure defender as well. Yes. Saves me the trouble of going and buying one. Yep, and I was like, Oh, look at this. The collection begins. Yes, it does. The sickness has begun. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is a original OG Kenner Bib Fortuna in, I would say, very nice shape. I couldn't find any flaws with it. I could uh, not. Again, I... Adam did leave one of his jeweler loops over here the other day. <laughs> yeah. And I, and again, I, and again, this is no there. And I, and again, I'm not being a dick. Cause like I said, I've not looked up any of these, but I'm going to put it up to the camera. I don't know if you could tell. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's okay. Like, there's like the slightest little crease right no, there. I get you. Like what? the slightest. Right. You know what well, I, mean? I, I don't think you're going to find a better version of that around. Well, now the collection begins. Um, that and I, it came in that case. The guy, because the guy said he's like, "Oh, I have." I'll tell you the story in a minute. He's like, "I have these. They're uh, just they're like UV protected. Like that won't like degrade the bubble that bibs in any more. You know what I mean?" Yeah. And, and he's like, "If you need anything else, he's like, I have ones for Masters of the Universe. But anything he sold, they came. They're like of the big figures. They're like you just get one." I was like, "Okay," and. It, kind of you wouldn't feel that in the bag and go star wars because it feels like you know it's like a filthy dick tracy figure or something like that (laughs) so i'm like he won't know and that was when i went to baltimore and i was walking around and i'm like okay i got something you know for somebody else that i that i got a gift for and i was walking around i'm like and i had your your absolute and I walk by this thing and I see it's like, oh, we just got in a, you know, a set of, you know, Star Wars figures. And I'm like, do you have uh, Return of the Jedi, Bib Fortuna? And he's like, oh, I don't know. Bib Fortuna. Bib. I'm like the guy with the tentacles on his head. And he's like, I know who he is, buddy. And I'm like, OK, relax. Do you have one? <laughs> I'm like, do you have one? And he's like, you let me look. And I said, you because they're all hanging on pegs that you could just go up to and grab. Sure. I, I said, pick. You know, you go through them and let me know if they're in there. Because if any of them fall, I ain't getting blamed for it. And he's like, blah, blah, blah. Here it is. I'm like, uh, he goes, I got to get my boss. He goes, because these are the bigger figures. We Because they had no price on it. We discussed. And I'm like, here you go. Peeled it off and walked away. And put it in my hotel room. And I had your gift for Christmas. Because I wanted something else. but And I knew you would, you know, that would throw you off. That you got two gifts, Joe. Right. Well, and that's the thing. I, I'm like, oh, Todd got me two gifts, and I know how much the one thing is, and I haven't even started pricing these yet. Don't uh, price those, okay? All right, I'm not pricing nothing. Listen, I always tell you, I don't, I don't count anybody's money. You got me some. I love what we got. I just wanted to get you something that you want. As long as you tell me you wanted that figure, we're good. Oh, and again, it, it, <laughs> you've started a sickness now. Like, luckily, there's not a ton of Bib Fortuna figures. So it's going to be a quick collection to get. But now that I have one, if you just have one Bib Fortuna figure, you're pretty much like a dope. 
Right. Oh, you're Bib Fortuna. And that's his rookie figure. That is his rookie figure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I am not and I am a, I'm not a Lucy collector, too. And like I said, this is very nice. Please don't rip that open. I'm not ripping. I'm not. Listen, I'm not even ripping open the, the fig protector that it's in. OK. This thing's in here forever. Um, Until your snot-nosed kid rips through the room and plays with it. No, no, no. He don't know what he don't give a you know what about any of these things. But now it's just more so of like getting the wall space. Mm-hmm. Um, whence, whence, once Christmas is done and everything else like that. And I have my list for what I need for the fig protectors for the stuff that I already have. And I get stuff fig protectored up that I already have. And then I get my list and I can start pricing the Bib Fortuna collection now. That's right. Bib Fortuna Detolf. That's right. No, no Detolf. They're all going up on the wall. Oh, okay. Detolf is more so for loose figures. Not not according to the toy boy I know. Well, the toy boy you know, I don't know nothing about what he's up to. Yeah, I don't want to know either. All right. Thank you very much, though. This is very nice and thoughtful gifts, Todd. You're welcome. Now I got to clean up a bunch of grocery bags on the floor of the office. Mm, well, you can rewrap Ace's school books. <laughs> <laughs> you mean his Chromebook? Oh, there you go. Protect the Chromebook with paper. Yes. All right. So let's get into TV and movies. I'll take Hawkeye. All right. You start with Hawkeye there, sir. Okay, so the episode starts out uh, years, five years ago with uh, Yelena, you know, running around as she left. We left her in the Black Widow movie trying to free the brainwashed uh, Black Widows. So she ends up finds this one woman. She tried, you know, gives her the gas. It's supposed to she's like, I'm not even, you know, brainwashed. I'm just killing people for money. And, you know, you should join up and we'll do it and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, it's like, I need to think about this. So she goes in the bathroom and everything like goes crazy like she ends up blinking for a second and the walls change the bathroom's been painted and it's five years later she was part of the blip um which was a really good visual on the thing she comes out and she's like oh like you know the world's changed you gotta find out about stuff so we end up you know she's gonna go out and look for her sister natasha um so while this is going on kate you know is beaten up from you know her encounters on the rooftop and the partnership has been dissolved so she goes home and her mother ends up uh, consoling her and says that like he basically uh sent her away so she would be safe and the partnership's done um and she she, the mother's relieved that, that kate's out of harm's way um but uh she ends up uh, kate ends up telling her like i think jack's trouble it kind of gives him the scoop of the information that she's found out over the course of it and uh the mother promises to look into him she kind of does and says that you're right uh and discovers stuff the stuff that she did and jack is being handcuffed and escorted out of the house um and he's saying like this is all wrong um i don't know any of this i'll be cleared um you know that's kind of it um, so Kazi and Maya are like who Echo are ta- are you know talking, and he's doing her wounds, and he ends up saying, uh, you know, like she's like I'm gonna go get him. He's like, okay, if we do this, we go after Ronan, 
And then that's it. Like we move on after this, but uh, no more. And she's like, okay, if I do this, we'll put it to rest and uh, everything will be okay. Um, Kate goes back to her apartment because her mother said like, go get some stuff and come here. She gets to the charred apartment um, and who's waiting there. But Yelena, she's ended up making, making uh, macaroni and cheese. That stuff is the best. She ends up, you know, having a back and forth with Kate, which is one of the greatest like interactions in the history of Marvel, you know, cinematic stuff because Yelena is the best where she goes from playful and, and, and sexy and cute and naive to I will murder you where you sit. Um, in a heartbeat kind of look, which scares, terrifying, terrifying. And she ends up like keep using her name, Kate Bishop, Kate Bishop, to prove that she's like, I know all about you. Um, that's kind of cool. And she says that while she's there, she's there to see New York City, like the Empire State Building, um, Rockefeller Center, and the new and improved Statue of Liberty. I don't know what that means, Joe. Maybe that will come up later. Um, but in the talk that they have, he's like, hey, you're going to kill Clint Barton. Clint Barton's a good man. And Elena's like, everybody keeps saying Clint's a good man, but my sister's the one that sacrificed herself to save the world. And, you know, you keep talking about Clint and Kate's like, Hey, listen, you know, maybe you should be taught, you know, looking into whoever hired you to kill this, this Clint. Um, Cause you know, it doesn't seem good to be killing some, uh, uh, what do you call it? Person who saved the world, an Avenger. Um, so now Clint's thinking, thinking over, he's really tired. He goes back to the apartment and pizza dog who almost got his real name, his shoot name this week, but we're still waiting on it. Um, he ends up, uh, realizing what he has to do and he ends up going in this scene. I like, he goes to the plaque, uh, that there's a plaque where the Avengers first assembled, which is really cool. And he ends up, uh, apologizing to Tasha because, um, He's going to put the Ronin costume on, which he promised like this was the end of it. So he puts the Ronin costume on and goes to see Yelena and he ends up, uh, you know, fighting her and his men. But he ends up killing none of them to kind of prove that, like, he's not the same person he was. Um, and he's like saying, but we are the same. And he's like, I just want to tell you, the night I killed your father, I got a tip from somebody, you know, that was in your gang. They pretty much wanted your father dead. You know, who was it? And uh, he ends up like, you know, she ends up getting the drop on him and she's almost kill. He almost kills. She almost kills him. Um, but Kate has shown up because she tracked his phone down and ends up saving him with an arrow, you know, hitting the, the, the weapon out of her hand and they leave Maya talks to Cassie. Who's like, Hey, you were supposed to be there the night my father was killed. How come you were? And he's like, Hey, don't know just didn't get the call no reason so she's starting to suspect um what do you call it that that he was involved somehow or yes he uh clint is right um that you uh somebody wanted her dead in the organization his her father dead in the organization um so kate and clint are doing a ride chair and he ends up telling her telling him that it was yelena and he's like all right the Black Widow is Yelena, Natasha's sister. It all clicks. And he's like, um, he had gotten word from his wife that, yes, the mother, uh, Kate's mother, was involved with somebody. And he's, yes, it's the big man, which I was worried it was. Um, and she's like, who is this guy? Clint tells her, 
it was Kingpin, and then they immediately go into "You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch," and I totally, totally mark out. And I'm glad I woke up at 3:30 in the morning the night that that was <laughs> dropped, and I watched. I was like, I have to go to the bathroom. I'm gonna, you know, I go to the bathroom. I'm like, I'm just gonna down a Pepsi and watch the show because I'm awake. And I watched it. I'm glad because I got up in the morning and turned on Twitter, as you do. Does the kids say that? You turn on Twitter. And immediately it was like, everybody's applauding D'Onofrio. And I'm like, oh, well, if I'd woken up, I would have went straight for Twitter and had it ruined. So So I'll say this. uh, It was was a tough week because I had to avoid spoilers on two things. Mm -hmm. Uh, One was going to be Spider-Man No Way Home. And, of course, this episode of Hawkeye, the penultimate episode, having a feeling that things big were going to happen. And I'm like, well, if I'm trying to, like, plug two holes in this dam, one eventually (laughs) is going to get through. Right. So I need to focus on one and watch the other. Which one can I watch right now? And I was able to watch Hawkeye. I was able to watch it, like, Wednesday afternoon over lunch. Mm-hmm. And luckily I did because Vincent D'Onofrio decided to tweet out the scene from the end credits where like everything kind of in the David Aha style animated. Yes. And they pull out and it's the shot of the Kingpin. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just kind of tweeted that image out with the Hawkeye logo and uh, Clint and Kate there. And I'm like, well, that's who that is, right? You know, he's in this episode. Luckily I saw the episode um, did I have any other notes? I have um, one question oh. for you when you're done, but go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Now I feel like a fool because I'm not the Hawkeye guy. You are sure. Um, last week I was like, oh, there's definitely something up with the mother and you, and now I kind of remember you playing coy. Did you remember she was involved in some criminal stuff in the comic? No, no. Okay. They, they do position her and they like the actress who plays her, um, I think they purposely make her look like Vanessa Fisk, even though she's not Vanessa, Vanessa Fisk. Mm-hmm. But the mother had no, you know, ties to the kingpin or criminal ties or anything like that. I'm sorry, because I, I ended up looking it up. I thought she and the, uh, her husband or something like that worked for Madame Mask in the um, comic, which turns out to be, you know, certain characters may be popping up soon or already have. I'd want to be very okay. vague. So, um, that I don't recall, to be honest with you, but, you know, you looked it up more recently than I did. So, <laughs> I'll defer to you when it comes to that. Um, I was going to make a joke when they said it was the big guy that it was going to be Clarence Clemens. <laughs> and the part in the beginning with Yelena, where it was the five years earlier... And we see from her perspective of her being blipped out and blipped back in. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may have talked about it on the show at some point, maybe on an after dark over the summer. There was a movie that came out, a horror movie called Malignant. I think maybe you did talk about this, but go ahead. I don't remember. So uh, I'm not going to give spoilers of the movie, right? But when our lead actress sees what the killer is seeing and her view and her perception changes. Right. In Malignant, it's done exactly the same way as what Yelena sees when she blips out and blips back in. Okay. So did that freak you out or? It freaked me out because I'm like, oh my God, she's malignant. 
Okay. Now I'll say this about the uh, the blip. I originally hated the blip idea in the movie, like when they did it and everybody came back five years later. And I'm like, okay, in the movie, I'm like, this is really stupid. I get it. This is also people who have their contracts and are still around, blah, blah, blah. They can have them around for later and time jumps, whatever. Like all those stupid behind the scenes reasons that are more for the blip. Yes. And, and um, then we see in like one of the earlier Spider-Man movies that that's what we learned that it was called the blip there. And during a basketball game, the, uh, the, uh, the, the band comes back and like they crash in and it's funny. Then we see it in WandaVision with Monica Rambeau as she was sitting by her mother's deathbed. And I get goosebumps about this. And she wakes up and is like, she's in the hospital. All these people from the blip have come back and it freaks everybody. So each I every, each time I see it, it gets cooler and cooler, even though I hated it. I hate the idea, but as soon as I see a blip, I understand the ramifications and it horrifies me. Like losing five years of your life with someone or whatever. I, I don't know how to explain what I'm saying, but the blip now is cool to me, even though I hated it. Uh, but I like this and uh, I'll probably be watching this, uh, the <laughs> season finale over breakfast uh, tomorrow so that I don't get things spoiled on me, you know? I think I'm going to take some trucker's helper and watch it tonight. <laughs> oh my goodness. Finish recording, Joe. Uh, so, uh, we now have Spider-Man No Way Home to discuss, right? Yep, because you just saw that. Go with it. <laughs> All right. So, uh, this is another one that I did my best to stay away from the spoilers on. Um, obviously a lot of the imagery of who was going to be in this movie was out there that we knew some of the old villains from the previous two, uh, Spider-Man movies were going to be coming back. Uh, Doc Ock, Green Goblin, Green Goblin, and uh, Electro at the very least, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we kind of, sort of, already knew, um, in maybe one of the more poorly kept secrets of Hollywood, that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield were going to be in this, right? Like, I think like everyone knew that going into this. I was just like, when are they going to show up? Right. Just kind of like we all know that Michael Keaton is going to be in, like, the Flash movie as Mm -hmm. Batman. It was one of those, like, poorly kept secrets in Hollywood, comic book news, whatever, right? Was it a poorly kept secret or was it them, like, oh, we're pretending and leaking it so people get all jacked up and talk about it? Yeah. I think it was a little bit of both. Right. Uh, So this movie essentially picks up from where the previous uh, Spider-Man movie Far From Home left off that Mysterio leaked Spider-Man's uh, shoot identity to the world. Um, so now everyone knows that Peter Parker and Spider-Man are one of the same. Jonah, J. Jonah Jameson um, is, of course, leading his smear campaign against the, the web menace Spider-Man. Uh, Spidey gets MJ back to his place, comes in as MJ and or uh, Aunt May and Happy are breaking up. But now they have bigger things to deal with. There's a bunch of police helicopters outside. Um, They all get arrested. Um, Everyone uh, wisely is like, I need to talk to my lawyer. I need to talk to my lawyer, except for poor Ned, who gets roped into admitting that he's been an accomplice to all the things that Spider-Man has done. Um, However, they end up getting a very good lawyer. And this was was a, a nice pop for me. That uh, Charlie Cox, who plays Matt Murdock, Daredevil, in the Netflix show, shows up. 
uh, as the Parker family lawyer mm-hmm. for many reasons. Because one, now we're tying those universities together. Uh, two, we get the bit where he gets to demonstrate his powers where the brick comes through the window. Those were powers? Refl- huh? Those were powers? He's just a really good lawyer. I was going to say, he's just a really good lawyer. Um, okay. Do you mind if I just interject here? Uh, one, I, I got one more thing oh. to say about it. And also the fact that uh, what's his face who plays Happy Hogan? Uh, uh, John Favreau was, uh, Foggy Nelson in the original Daredevil movie. Mm -hmm. And now he's in the scene with the new Daredevil. Wow. He gets double Daredevil duty. Um, but, uh, I love this, but I do think we're getting a soft reboot on all this. Um, like with the, cause Kingpin's back now and Charlie Cox is back as Daredevil, because I always said I liked Daredevil on Netflix, but it became, um, fight porn that it was like, let's see how we can shank and hurt and like beat up Daredevil. And I think they're going to go like a softer, quirkier, still dark with Daredevil, but, uh, I don't know. I just don't see them going like, oh, we're going to bring over these three seasons from Netflix to Disney Plus. I think you can buy them on DVD, but you're not going to be able to watch them on Disney Plus. But that's just my take on it. Gotcha. Uh, So he gets them out of that jam. But now the world still knows that Peter is Spider-Man and everything's uncomfortable and weird. Um, Peter goes to school and everyone's treating him very oddly, very strangely. And all three of them, Peter, MJ, and Ned, apply to MIT. And they all get rejected from MIT because in light of recent events involving whatever, they were rejected. So it's like Peter's fault that his friends don't get to go to the school of their choice. Uh, so Peter decides to go visit uh, Doctor Strange in a really ham-fisted scene because the Halloween decorations were still left up. Mm-hmm. And he looks at one of, like, the weird, like, witch men. And, like, he's just staring at it. He's like, oh, that witch man kind of looks like Doctor Strange. Maybe I should go ask him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes to the Sanctum Sanctorum. And in a scene that was definitely filmed differently than the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Why would you say that? Because Doctor Strange's hair in this scene is very distressing. <laughs> I didn't even notice. You didn't notice? No, I was watching the movie. Todd, I nope. was shaking the whole time. I figured you were. Do you know what was distracting me? Mm. Was the two people shoveling snow. Okay. Which I'm like, oh, okay, these are going to be the people. I think it was the one Asian uh, woman who shows up in the Jason Aaron run. That they're going to do. But I'm like, oh, okay, these are the characters we're going to get introduced to, apprentices or whatever, in the next Doctor Strange movie. You know what I mean? Mm. It just seemed weird. but So he asks Doctor Strange if there's something that he could do, some sort of spell, some sort of something uh, that can make everyone forget uh, that he's Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Um, or to, or tur- First he asks to turn back time to that point. And he's like, well, I can't do that. He goes, but I have this spell where I can make people forget something. And Wong is like, I don't know if you should use that. And he's like, well, I already used it before. Do you remember the party at such and such? And he's like, no. And he's like, well, there you go. (laughs) So so as Strange is doing the spell, Peter keeps interrupting. He's like, well, MJ can't forget, and Aunt May can't forget, and this one can't forget. So Doctor Strange keeps changing it and changing it and changing it by changing it so much the spell becomes uncontrollable and he has to trap the spell in a thing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so because of this, the spell doesn't happen uh, in the way that Peter requested. However, Peter is going to go and meet up with the admissions person from MIT because Flash got admitted to MIT. He brokers a deal with Peter to like get web swung to school two weeks in a row for this information on his way to get this person and uh, confront them before they get to the airport in their car, Dr. Octopus shows up. And one, I totally wish I didn't know Dr. Octopus was in this movie because the scene would have been so much cooler. Not to say that it wasn't cool. It was awesome. Um, so what, and, and then at the end of this battle, um, Green Goblin shows up. But in the midst of this, Dr. Octopus is like, oh, and he grabs Peter and the nanotechnology and Peter's suit that he got from Iron Man kind of infects the arms of Dr. Octopus. So Peter is now able to control the arms and therefore like kind of capture Doc Ock and bring him back. But Green Goblin shows up as well. So I don't want to go by a beat by beat moment of this movie, but we need to get to this point so that I can get to this point in that by them messing around with the spell so much. Um, it ends up not making anyone forget about Peter Parker, but it makes anyone from all the multiverses that know of Peter Parker to come to this universe. Mm -hmm. So not only do we get Dr. Octopus and Green Goblin and Sandman, which was interesting, uh, for Wings on Wings crossover, Mm -hmm. uh, from the Raimi-verse, we also get Lizard, and we also get Electro Jamie Foxx. Now... I will be completely honest with you. I never saw the two Andrew Garfield uh, Spider-Man movies. I heard nothing but bad things about them. And as is my understanding, the portrayal of Jamie Foxx pre-becoming Electro. And then when he becomes Electro, like in a lot of the press materials for the movie, they show him as like the blue Electro from those movies, but he's never that blue Electro. He actually looks kind of cool in this. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say because he is. They just imagine the Riddler story from the third bat from Batman Forever. Yeah, they just swiped it, and he's terrible in it. And something about the energy in this thing kind of makes him cooler. I'm like, however you explain it, I'm fine with it. Jamie Fox was pretty good as you know Electro in this, right? Um, you know, and again, Lizard really doesn't get to do much. He's just a CGI creation. So Sandman, Sandman. Doesn't get, Sandman doesn't get to do too much. He's just a CGI creation. I think whoever the actors were that played them, uh, Thomas Hayden Church for Sandman, and I forget the actor who played Lizard. I don't know. He was the kicker in uh, Replacements. But Oh, uh, boy. That I'm doesn't gonna, help anything. I'm just going to say, though, I I totally respect those two guys for getting the Orange Cassidy payday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're just like, all right, we need you to show up. On green screen for two minutes to see your real faces. Yes. And then uh, here's your script. Read it into a microphone. Good for uh, them, man. Right. Like you're on, you're literally on camera for 30 seconds between the two of you. To, yeah, together. You're on and the rest screen. is reading lines and the rest is green screen. So here's your check. See you guys tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. When I look at the top build cast on IMDb, neither one of them are even on there. Right. The Apprentices from uh, Doctor Strange's Sanctum Sanctorum are on there, right? Yep. Um, But with the three major villains that we have here, uh, Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin, Alfred Molina, Doctor Octopus, and Jamie Foxx as uh, Electro, 
fantastic performances. Unbelievable yeah. performances. Um, kind of, you know, like I said, they, they get rid of the, the, a lot of people complained about the mask from the original Raimi one for the Green Goblin and Norman breaks it. Uh, people complained about the look of Electro in the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies. So they changed it and that the electricity in this universe makes Jamie Foxx look different, feel different, whatever. So he actually looks cool. And I don't know if you notice, like a couple, like when he, at the end, in the, in the final fight scene where he's using his Electro powers, like the old school Electro mask, like in electricity, like kind of comes up over his face. Yeah. So he looks like, yes, I know what you mean. Yep. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's so cool. Um, so... Like so, they get the idea that they need to send them back, right? But the problem is, when they get sent back to their universes, they all get died. Like they're being pulled literally from the moment before they die. Except so, right, Peter's like, we can't. Like Peter, our Peter, uh, Tom Holland is like, and again, I'm gonna say this from here on out. Tom Holland is like, well, we can't send them back to die. We need to help them. We need to save them. And this is when Norman shows up at the soup kitchen or the help, whatever that Aunt May works at. And he's all messed up. And Tom Holland, Peter is like, no, he attacked me. He's a bad person. And Aunt May is like, no, we have to help him. That's what this is all about. You know, mm -hmm. you have to help these people. So he's like, all right, we're going to help these people. Um, so he gets them working on it and they figure out a way to get Doc Ock saved, right? But while this is going on, Norman is kind of playing them in like he's kind of suppressing a little bit of his dark sideness. Mm -hmm. Um, and he lets his dark sideness out. The other villains kind of escape. Doc Ock is on their side, but he's kind of off attempting to stop them. So Ned uh gets like this little magic-y thing from Doctor Strange and he tries to open up a portal to Peter Parker, but instead first opens up the portal to Andrew Garfield, Peter Parker. Yep. Again, I wish they did a much better job of keeping these things a secret, but it was still really cool when he showed up. They tried again, and now they bring Tobey Maguire, Peter Parker, into the whole thing. So now you've got the three Peter Parkers from all the movies since 1999, all working together against all the villains from all the previous movies. Mm-hmm. It, you know what I mean? It, it's super cool. Um, if you're a Spider-Man person, if you're a fan of these movies, if you remember these movies, um, there's the fight scene, which, and another thing I will throw in here, and this is something I noticed more so recently within the last like two or, two or three years, but I loved seeing it here. I love to see how much pro wrestling has worked its way into the fight choreography in all of these uh, comic book action hero movies. Uh, when Norman and Peter are having their first fight at Happy's condo and like Norman like gives him like a beautiful like snap spine buster through the floor. And he gives Stop him, like, it. Big crazy power bomb. I'm like, oh, I love it. This is the best. Okay. You didn't like it when, uh, what was it? Batman begged off Superman. You didn't like that. No, no one liked that. <laughs> right. So, um, they are at Happy's thing. They're trying to get all the little serums and stuff that they had been working on. Uh, Norman shows up. And this one that they did a good job of hiding that Norman ends up killing Aunt May. Yes. And she gives the, with great power, comes great responsibility speech. Yep. And Tom Holland Peter is like, well, I, you know, 
You killed my aunt. I'm going to kill Green Goblin. And he's kind of like fuming and seething. Mm -hmm. And he's having the talk with the other two Peters. And he says his Aunt May says, said to him right before she died with great power. And then Andrew Garfield says, comes great responsibility. I wish they both said at the same time. I have a lot of little nitpicks about this movie, but that's my mind. That's the way it works. I can't help it. Okay. Um, we're going to stop here for a second because two quick things. I always hated Ned. I always hated Ned. Um, and this movie was like really good as it went on. So I, I kind of ignored Ned and his nettiness. Um, but the fact that he could just do magic, like with the sling ring and Dr. Strange, it took him like a, like practice to do it. I was like, no, that's a plot thing. We're just to move it along. Did not like it, but I did not mind the, the, the swap of Aunt May saying the line and Aunt May dying and all that stuff. And I'm great with it, but it does not work in the movie for me because of the fact in the other two movies and the classic Spider-Man tale, Peter does nothing. Ben dies and he sees the error of his ways in this. Aunt May tells him, no, you have to help people. Okay. I do. It got someone I loved killed. It should be the reverse uncle Ben. I, I just, it makes no sense in, in, in the movie other than, okay. Aunt May's dying words like with great power comes great responsibility. It's like, uh, no, like you've you've tweaked the Spider-Man origin. All great, don't mind it. All of this, but someone has to die because Peter messed up and he sees the error of his ways. So I don't know. This part I really don't like. I get you. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fight you, and I'm not gonna defend it. I'm a Spider-Man apologist. No, I get you, but that's not what I'm saying. But go ahead. Right. Uh, so they. Uh, Peter, uh, Tom Holland, Peter calls into J. Jonah show and, uh, puts a message out there for, uh, Norman to meet him, uh, where he knows to meet him. And it ends up being the currently being rebuilt Statue of Liberty, which is going to have Captain America's shield on it as well. Right. Which is a terrible idea, but you know, it's not going to stay on there long. I don't think wing. No. So we get our big battle there. Um, Doc Ock shows back up where he teases that he turned evil, but he does it just to get the drop on everyone. All the villains end up getting saved. Even Norman, after Norman, kind of sticks the whole kebab in Tobey Maguire Peter, but it doesn't kill him. Uh, they do stop Tom Holland Peter from killing Norman. Um... Then Doctor Strange shows up after Peter kind of got the best of him in like his weird upside down world and kept him trapped there above the Grand Canyon. And at this point, Peter's uh, the, oh, the entire like multiverse is starting to break apart. Right. Everybody who knows, he said, now everybody who knows who Spider-Man is coming here and the multiverse has unlimited people. It's going to be bad. Right. So he has to cast the spell. He has to make it so everyone forgets who Peter Parker is. No ifs, ands, or buts. And he does. He gets his one last moment with Andrew Garfield until McGuire's Spider-Man. He gets his one last moment with Ned and MJ. And that's really super touching. 
And then the spell gets cast. Everyone from the different universes go away. And we get the bit where Peter is at Aunt May's grave and Happy shows up and Happy doesn't know who he is. Mm -hmm. Happy doesn't know that this is, you know, May's nephew. Right. He ends up, Peter ends up going, Tom Holland, Peter ends up going to the coffee shop where MJ works. She doesn't recognize him, but they have a little cute back and forth. Uh, Ned is just buried in his phone, whatever. That's fine. Uh, but even oh, so that's because even before the, the, the spell is cast, MJ essentially says to Peter, uh, I figured it out before I'll figure it out again. I'll find I'll find you. So yeah. I'm glad that little seed is there. Peter is living in like a one bedroom flop house. He doesn't have any of the fancy tech. He has a thing to get his GED so he can go on to college. He has like a real cool looking, like shiny blue, oh. silvery, uh, shiny blue and red suit. And uh, based on this end scene alone, uh, Todd, I think we can throw this movie in contention for uh, Spider-Man No Way Home is a Christmas movie. Yes, it was always a Christmas movie, but go ahead. <laughs> but that last scene specifically makes it a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then that's the movie, unless before we get to the post credit sequence, because I did not stay for the end credit sequence, because I was told by many people it was just a trailer for another movie, and I don't want to see no trailer for a movie I'm already going to see. Yes, I just want to, like, you know, a couple of things. Um, One, I do, th- it is a Christmas movie because, you know, it's at the end, and I do think we're going to see, uh, we're they're going to, because the movie has to take place around Christmas because Christmas is coming in Hawkeye and the uh, Statue of Liberty is being, you know, revamped. So this battle has to take place after that, blah, blah, blah. I'm fine with that. I think we're going to see some of that in Hawkeye. But uh, the bit where they reboot everything and he's the Spider-Man that, you know, I'm not the Spider-Guy that you are, but the Spider-Man I know and love, he has no money. He has like this, like he's doing crime, listening to a scanner kind of a deal in the classic red and blues. I'm like, this is what I want. It, you know, it took us a long way to get there, but the next time we see Spider-Man, he's going to be the Spider-Man, you know, people should know not in, in intertwined with, uh, Tony Stark. So I'm 100% with that. The only thing that really also that made me pop was, because I did see the two Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies, and when Gwen, when his MJ dies, Gwen Stacy, blah blah blah, it's horrific. It's a great scene, done well in a terrible movie. But he ends up saying saving MJ in this, and I that got to me because I was like, he's like, they all get their moment. Like uh, Tom uh, Tom uh, Holland saves everybody. Andrew Garfield gets redemption for not saving Gwen, and. Uh, Toby Maguire saves uh, uh, Norman Osborn by not being killed by uh, Tom Holland. I'm like, this this all works because everybody gets a moment. And I absolutely loved it. And it made me like a lot of Spider-Man villains that I hated that they did. Because I didn't wasn't a huge fan of the Raimi movies the way everybody else was. I'm like, this is actually really, really good. Yeah. And I really like this movie. It helps to when they cast good actors in those roles, and Willem Dafoe and Alfred Molina and Jamie Foxx 
are good actors, but it's one thing to cast good actors in those roles. It's another thing to give those actors good material to work with. Yeah, that's best way of saying it. Yeah, and not to, I like I like the Raimi movies. The third Raimi movie was whatever. Um, you know, I know a lot of people coming up to this were revisiting all of the movies, and I don't have that sort of time in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, we do have our mid-credit sequence. Right. And essentially, the long and the short of this is tying Venom movies into the Spider-Man stuff. Mm-hmm. Did you know about the end credit scene at uh, uh, Let There Be Carnage? Or as, no. I, as I call them, Venom Spawn? No, I did not. Okay, at the end of that, because I found out about this. At the end of that, there's a scene where the movie's over and uh, Venom's talking to Eddie in a hotel room. And he's like, well, my 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 people are a hive mind kind of a thing. If I ever showed you everything that I knew, it would burn your brain. It would burn your brain. And he's like, okay, well, give me a little bit. And he starts doing it. And the room shifts and he ends up in a different hotel room in a like a tropical area, I guess. I'm not 100% sure. And he ends up and it's Norman, not Norman. It's uh, J. Jonah Jameson doing the thing, the news thing that he did at the end of the second Spider-Man movie. Peter's Parker, Spider-Man, he killed Mysterio. And Venom's like this person or whatever. Like he kind of knows him, but he doesn't. And he's like, oh, okay. We're we have the ability to travel. The symbionts have the ability to travel the multiverse, apparently, and that's how it ends. And so, in this, we see Eddie Brock in our world, you know, getting the rundown on the whole Mizigoth, where he's like, Oh, so you're telling me there's this and that, and there's a blue guy, a purple guy who's obsessed with and he stones. And as soon as he said stones, I looked at the fancy gentleman and went gems, right? So <laughs> And he goes, this and that, he explains it, and he leaves, he, he goes back the same way he showed up, but he leaves a little bit of Venom goo on the, yeah. on the thing. So that's how we can get Venom into the regular Spider-Man universe and have two Venoms. I don't know. It's confusing. No, it'll be interesting. Um, I haven't seen either of the Venom movies, but the fact that they may tie into the Tom Holland Spider-Man makes me have to see them now. Did you see any of the commercials for the Morbius movie? So the trailer for the Morbius movie before this. Right. And Vulture's in it. So. Right. I don't know. Like, I don't know how this is working anymore. If you get what I mean, like be careful. Cause you can get too confusing. You know? Yeah. Um, they, they need to just kind of get things together to be, you know, have one person in charge of all this just to make sure that this stuff stays straight is all. Sony won't. Marvel, uh, Disney just needs to open the checkbook and buy Spider-Man back. Yeah. But, but this this may be their way of writing Spider-Man out of the Avengers stuff and like say, okay, Sony, you get like, we've kind of given you the roadmap. Don't screw yep. it up. I definitely, he's definitely out of the Avengers because none of the Avengers remember him. Yeah. And now he doesn't even get to be in any of the Rogers musical. So he doesn't have the Stark tech anymore, which is great. Yeah. So, but I liked it. Um, like I said, I got a lot of little nitpicks about the movie. Um, you know, like how come sometimes Jonah Jameson is filming his thing in a green screen in his basement. And other times he's filming it, uh, in like a big giant studio with no explanation. See, I always felt he, that's at his house when he needs to do a live report quick. Hmm. Okay. You know what I mean? 
Like, you know, it's like maybe somebody in a sparkly jacket would have green screen at certain places where he's doing business. And well, I got one in my bedroom, too. You know what I mean? Wadded up in a ball in his basement. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, and I mean, I'm not going to. I could still go on and on and on about Spider-Man. So stop me yeah. now. No, it's okay. So I'm probably going to end up seeing it again, uh, maybe over the holiday weekend with the family. Mm-hmm. I'll see it again at some point, but I don't yep. think definitely in the theater. So, and now we tread into what? The next one is Doctor Strange, right? Uh, well, no. Of the I Marvel think, movies. Okay, I mean. of the Marvel. Uh, well, technically Morbius is next. That's not a Marvel movie. That's a Sony movie. <laughs> um, so, so that being said, Doctor Strange is next. Uh, that's the first weekend in May to coincide with Free Comic Book Day. Right. So let me do it this way. Do you have any plans on seeing the Morbius movie in the theaters? No. Okay, then that's not a Marvel movie. <laughs> okay. And next so then week, technically that means Shang-Chi and Eternals weren't Marvel movies either? No, they were Marvel movies. I didn't see them in the theater. Oh, okay, fair enough. Well, that was different because of uh, COVID. You weren't going out. That's true. So. Anyway. Anyway, thank you, everyone, very much for bearing with this short episode uh, for the holidays, <laughs> episode 371 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying thank you for listening, and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.